Today on the LA Food Podcast, we've got a special midweek pod for you to celebrate the return of Top Chef. Top Chef is returning tonight for a very special season 20. It's Top Chef World All-Stars. For the first time, they're bringing together winners and finalists from past editions all over the globe to battle it out head-to-head in London town, governor. Cousin Saul is joining me to preview the season and to give us a little skin in the game, we're going to conduct our very own fantasy Top Chef draft. Who's going to build the best team? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. So don't pack your knives just yet, because it's time to chow down. Welcoming back to the podcast for the first time in a few weeks, it's Cousin Saul. How are you doing today, Cousin Saul? I'm doing well, man. Busy day, but always got time for you, my man. Thank you. Thank you. Is it a busy day pursuing your goal of becoming the next social media intern for the Attack of Seattle? <laughs> I can't believe we're still talking about this. No. <laughs> well, look, I, in my experience, until a campaign goal is achieved, we don't stop talking about it. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. No, I, I've got no new hashtags working. I've just been sitting brainstorming in a dark room how to get this job, and it's not working, and that's why I'm so busy. Listeners, if you have ideas on how Cousin Saul can get the attention of Amy Rizzo and the Infatuation Seattle, please drop them in, uh, in our DMs, and we'll see uh, if we can put those into action. And, and no idea is too crazy. I hate this bit so much. All right. <laughs> well, uh, so, uh, well, speaking of, of bits, uh, I also wanted to just uh, give the listeners some background. Would it be fair to say that you and I have gambling addictions? Oh, it's definitely fair to say that you have a gambling addiction. It's fair to say that I like to exploit your gambling addition, addiction for free money and dinner and drinks whenever I know that you will definitely take a bet that I will definitely win. Check Kai Havertz's stats for the season to know how. Yeah, this is this is a fair point. So for background listeners, we used to be roommates. And um, when Cousin Saul and I were roommates – we made a habit of betting on pretty much everything. Primarily, though, it was beer pong. And I beer think there's, there's one beer pong game that lives in infamy, and it's <laughs> Oh, it is indeed. Yeah, it was uh, – first of all, it was a best of seven series of beer pong, which is an insane decision to make on a probably Thursday night, maybe Friday. And the bet was the loser would have to pay for dinner at the newly opened Oficina Brera in the Arts District of L.A., a restaurant whose uh, price point I do not think we realized when we set the bet. We were also in our early 20s at this point and broke as a joke. Could not <laughs> afford to eat at Oficina Brera even if we were splitting the check. Yet we thought it was a good idea to bet Oficina Brera as the prize for this beer pong competition. And uh, you want to tell the people at home who, who ended up winning? Well, I obviously did. But what really made it, what really made it was that we went six games, three three games each. We had a game seven to play, but we had to make it to dinner. So we go to this dinner, not knowing who's ultimately going to be responsible for Venmoing the other the full cost. And we have a game seven beer pong to play afterwards. Now, I don't know about you, six beer pongs deep going to dinner where we also had like a couple glasses of wine. I barely remember the dinner itself. <laughs> <laughs> single thing we ate that night i literally. Do remember however that when we got home we played that beer pong game i ended up losing and Clutch. all of a sudden owed you something like 350 dollars 
Oh my god, it might have been more than I thought it was three hundred fifty dollars, like an installment, maybe like two fifty in like multiple <laughs> installments. And I remember literally, it was back against the wall, desperation. I saw that check, I was like, I can't go down like this, and it was just pure. <laughs> Michael Jordan, Game Seven. I am not paying this bill, and uh, yeah, that that took months, <laughs> months that for you took to pay months. off. Yeah, I didn't have the cash to actually pay it, so Saul <laughs> ended up paying it on his credit card, and I was paying him back, back. <laughs> like a cheap landlord, oh, like, yeah. like 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 an absent landlord for for months <laughs> afterward. It was uh, uh, honestly probably rock bottom for me. Um, it was, but has it, was, it stopped? Has it stopped us from betting and gambling in general? No, no, it has not. If anything, that was a real uh, uh, that was a real accelerant more moment for whatever reason. That's how you know you have a problem. This you were like, this could ruin my life, and yet I want more, and that leads us to where we are today. Yeah. So, speaking of competition, speaking of gambling, we are on the eve of one of the most exciting competitions on the planet. It begins tomorrow. Can't Top wait. Chef, Top Chef season twenty. It's going down. It's it's a Big season. They're going to London to celebrate the the big anniversary, and it's Top Chef World All Stars. Mm-hmm. How excited are you from from a one to Padma Lakshmi? Ooh, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a Padma Lakshmi, I guess. If that's excited, I don't know if she's the best <laughs> bar for excitement and incredibly composed and like chill woman. But yeah, if that's the top end, I'm there. I'm I'm super excited, man. I think it's gonna be a really good competition. Yeah, I know I they're said, gonna I like, said, pull out all the stops for season twenty. It's gonna be great. Yeah, and and I and to be clear, I use Padma as like an example of like the pinnacle of human being, not so sure. much the pinnacle of excitement. I got so, you. I got you. Yeah. So. Um, to uh, really enhance our enjoyment of what is bound to be the television event of the year, we're going to do something that we did last year as well, um, although we didn't pot about it. And it's something that you got from a podcast you listen to. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. There's a great podcast. I think we've mentioned them briefly before called Pack Your Knives, run by two actually uh, NBA reporters, Tom Haberstro and Kevin Arnovitz who are also big foodies. So these guys are like my favorite reporters ever. They hit my favorite sport and my favorite uh, food show, Top Chef. And they introduced me to uh, Fantasy Top Chef as a competitive concept. We tried it out last year. I think it went fantastically. And hat tip to Kevin and Tom, we're going to go for it again this year. But of course, this time in the public eye. So, listeners, you are lucky enough to be listening right now to the first ever live draft of the LA Food Podcast's uh, version of Fantasy Top Chef. Um, So this is how it's going to go. Saul and I are going to go pick for pick, picking contestants that we believe can go far in the competition. Um, Now, we're not going to read the bios to you at the outset because that would probably bore you to death um so what we're going to do is we're going to uh make our picks and then give our good rationale based on their bios of why we think that they're a good pick now Uh of course we have to come up with a mechanism of who goes first last time we did a draft on this pod i just let you go first out of the goodness of my heart and it was (laughs) it was a big mistake it was a big mistake so what we're going to do today is i came up with a game And it's one that honestly favors you. So Hmm. we are going to guess how many uh, people the Emirates Stadium can accommodate. 
Ooh. And the person who gets closest to the actual number goes first. Okay. Now, the Emirates Stadium is the uh, home ground of Saul's favorite uh, soccer team, a.k.a. Arsenal. That's right. That's right. And I actually have a specific advantage here in that I recently went, recently went to a few games of the World Cup and from those games got a sense of how big stadiums typically are for major soccer events. I'm going to go... I'm going to go 70. I might be a little conservative, but I think that's around the ballpark. Okay. I'm going to go go 80K. Okay. Are you ready for the answer? Let's see it. Damn it. 60 fucking thousand seven hundred. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So I know my boys. I mean, you don't know your boys, (laughs) literally. All right, man. Then you know what? You get first pick, and without further, without without a further ado, is that the saying? Yeah, that is the saying. <laughs> uh, please make your first pick. You're on the board. Uh, first pick is a is a no brainer to me. It's my man, the man who nearly ruined my relationship, Budalo, defending champion of season 19 of Top Chef Houston. He is. Uh, he comes in prepared. He knows exactly how to take on the Top Chef gauntlet. He's got the hot hand. A lot of these other folks haven't been on the show in years. Buddha's coming fresh off it. He's talented. He nearly swept his season. I think he's the clear number one pick. And I got to rub it in Emily's face that I have on my team yet again. Emily being your significant other, not some random person that you just want to victimize in this scenario. I thought context clues made that clear, but correct, yeah. <laughs> also, anyone named Emily out there, in your face. In your fucking face. <laughs> Listen, I am very happy you picked Buddha. Really? On my on my uh like my practice board, I refuse to pick him first. Um wow. <laughs> here's why. Here's why. First Huge nerd energy. This is a guy who like studied his ass off to win Top Chef. He's a self-proclaimed super fan of the show and he put in way too much work and it happened to pay off. But here's why I don't think it'll happen twice. It's because he's too perfect. There are bound bound to be ups and downs on this journey. There are bound to be bad days, uh, uh, curveballs, things that come out of left field. And I, frankly, I'm afraid to see what happens to him when one of those things comes his way. Look, one of the pitfalls or one of the dangers of Top Chef and Top Chef Fantasy is that anyone can lose any given week. They really can. Shota really nearly lost a couple weeks in there during the the Portland season 18. Um, it's, it's It's tough to have a perfect run, but... Buddha is a top three machine, and I should note that at the end of our draft, we should describe our scoring system for fantasy so folks know how we're being rewarded. But ultimately, the name of the game is someone who's going to be there till the end. Continue to rack up points for your team, and Buddha is that guy. Uh, I feel so great about this pick. Yeah, well, you would, because you also would have felt great about picking, uh, you know, Greg Oden or one of those guys. So, uh, uh, Darko Milicic. I mean... (laughs) Uh, we should also should note very quickly that Buddha is a chef out of Brooklyn, New York. He's executive of chef at Marquis Caviar and Huso. Um, that's where he's at. If folks want to learn more, they can, of course, Google Buddha, but just a little bit of bio. That's where he's at. Though he's also, I believe, Singapore-raised and has been all over the world working in Michelin star restaurants. Yeah. The kind of championship pedigree anyone would want to see on their team. Look, narrative is really important 
to me in Top Chef. <laughs> and I think it, it, it bears out. And he had a pretty good narrative the first season because I believe his father had just passed away. Yeah. But dead, dad, dead daddy energy is running out. You, just, you can't you can't win off you, can't, you just can't win off of that two seasons in a row. I'm sorry. Oh my god. You you all right, who you got? Who you got? Okay. With the second pick in the in the draft, I am I am proud to put up Sarah Bradley. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so here's my reasoning. Sarah Bradley competed on Top Chef Kentucky. I believe that was season 16 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a general theory that you don't want to pick winners for this. You want to pick runners up. You want to pick finalists. Interesting. They're, they're hungry. They want to come back. They're not resting on their laurels. Sarah Bradley is an incredible Southern chef. She's got that hunger. She's got, she lost to KBC, uh, Kelsey Bernard Clark in the Kentucky finale. And that was a hell of a season, you know. She was she was uh, pulling out all the stops. She showed what she could do, uh, especially cooking Southern food. But she's got the pedigree. She's cooked in New York, uh, Michelin star restaurants, and uh, so she's got both the pedigree and the fire. She's got that Southern pride, and as we saw on January sixth, that can go pretty far. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good pick. It's a it's a solid pick. She was near the top of my big board. I did not fully watch the Kentucky season. But I am familiar with Sarah and her work, and I knew she was a standout then, so certainly on the radar. However, you left me a tasty pick number two, technically three overall, but my set for the second pick of my team, and I'm excited about that. All right, who you got then? It's Don Burrell, man. Now, you say Sarah Sarah Bradley's the Southern cook, brings that flavor, brings that skill set. She's never cooked next to fucking Don Burrell, man. Don had the record of the most times I've heard a judge or guest judge be like, Holy shit, that was delicious. Now, her fatal flaw. Yeah, I was going to say this. Time management. Now she, she always a, runs out of time, bro. Always, but okay, but first of all, she's a finalist, and like you said, hungry. Second of all, a whole season under her belt, a whole year or two in between to study the competition. And I just love, I mean, look, you can't, literally people would lick their plates clean of Don's food. And the reason, by the way, I think she only, uh, she fell short of winning a couple more rounds in her season of Portland was because of the time management thing. So she, if she can get that slightly under control, the food is nonstop delicious. She's never made, never made a bad dish. I don't think, if you rewatch her season, not a single time were they like, that's bad. They were more like, I wish I had more or that something wasn't missing. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's what I mean. Different. Like, it's it can't be a good dish if there's a, an entire element missing from it. Well, and that you're not happened- wrong. You're that not happened wrong. a lot of times on 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 her season. A concerning number, and I personally was a Don truther. They kept letting Don get through, even up to the finale, in spite of her time management issues. And at the time, me being a Shota boy was completely upset at that. But I feel like I, I want to trust her. I want to trust that she's got the time management under control. And no matter what, the flavor is going to be there. They're going to be having Sarah's food next to Don, and they're like, Sarah, what what is this? Don is the Olympian. She's a she's a fucking stud, and I'm really excited to have both her and Buddha on my team. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have a feeling she could make an early exit. Personally, um, I think that she's also become kind of a Top Chef darling uh, since yes. then. She's been a, she she was obviously a guest judge a lot uh, on the Houston season, and she's she's appeared in the universe since. I I think she may be getting a little too big for her britches, you know. 
you actually touch on something that is a concern for another one of the chefs on this list and the reason why I moved him down, which is that when the contestant is too buddy-buddy in the Top Chef world, I actually think that becomes a disadvantage in some yeah. ways. I think the bar becomes higher given the familiarity and that mistakes could be punished harsher instead of the other way around. Like, well, if she's buddy with Padma and Tom, they might go easy. No, I think it's going to be like their expectations are really high. So you're right. It's, it's a risk. She could go, she could fuck up week one elimination, run out of time and be home just like that. But if she's learned her lesson, sticks it out, she will be there till the very end. Yeah. Look, I think our first three picks are pretty safe. And I, and I was expecting us to go with like known quantities first, because of course this is the first time we're going to ever see a world all-stars, meaning we haven't seen a lot of these chefs in action. So that's right. It makes sense that we would go with the ones we've seen. Um, I, I feel like, if we had seen all the other seasons, Sarah and Don could both be way lower on our boards. Um, but <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we got I'm, winners on here, man. We got yeah, two winners yeah, yeah. of other seasons. I, and I, but I'm more confident that Don would be lower than Sarah personally. <laughs> <laughs> no way, no way, dude, no way. It, it's it's the fatal flaw thing, man. It's the fatal flaw. She is, you know. She is uh, the the tragic hero who just you know can't give up the vice of being late. <laughs> well, I relate to that ready? too. Here we I'm go. Ready for my next pick? If you'll let's allow go. me. Let's go. Let's go. We're going with Tom Gutter. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting we're getting international here. So Tom Gutter, his hometown is Mainz, Germany. Um, he was the, a finalist again on Top Chef Germany season one. Okay, so not not that recent, and he was a finalist <laughs> again. So he's hungry now. I like this guy for a few reasons, knowing absolutely nothing about him. First of all, he looks like the dude most likely to pull uh, the menu. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like if you look at his picture, he's got this strong, like psychopathic energy. Um, and I haven't actually seen him in, in action, but I, you know, going off of basic German stereotypes, I feel like he could pull it off too. Is that something that's desirable on your team? Oh, 100%. 100%. Just, convinces your whole squad to commit mass suicide. I don't know if that's what we're looking for. Look, this dude works as a food and beverage executive chef on luxury <laughs> cruises. You gotta yeah, be no, kidding me, man. No, this no, dude was okay, like near okay. the bottom of my board. Look, look, I I also took the tact of looking at their professions to determine who I would pick. Mm-hmm. To me, private chefs, caterers, fuck down them. down near the bottom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No offense to any any private chefs or caterers out there. It's just kind of a trope of top chef. Like every time you get a private chef on there who's like, I want to show them that you don't have to be a fine dining chef to 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 to, to win here to get kicked off that episode. You yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah. They never make it to restaurant wars, even. Rarely does a private chef make it as far as restaurant wars. Yeah, Yeah. no. No, I'm watching the show right now on Netflix, Drink Masters. It's like top chef bartenders. Very good, by the way. The first episode, there's this one chick who's like, oh, I'm not really a bartender. I'm an Instagram bartender, meaning she just makes cocktails (laughs) and takes pictures of them. She got kicked out so fast. It's not even funny, man. Like, Obviously. Yeah. So I just think like there is a hierarchy in terms of professions. And for this one, I initially looked at him too and was like, hmm, he, he cooks on boats. That's a problem. 
And I've never been on a cruise, but I imagine that cruise food is like bad hotel food. Now, the things yeah. I like about it and that swayed me are he trained under Thomas Keller, okay? So he's got he's got the chops, okay? That is a good that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah. Secondly, have you ever seen the show Below Deck? I have not, but I'm familiar. Okay, so Below Deck, tremendous TV. Bravo, at it again. And one of the like recurring characters on Below Deck is always the chef who has to cook for like, you know, really entitled guests and pretty much do miracles. I'm sure that Tom Tommy Gooder here isn't doing below deck style cooking. However, I do think you need some resourcefulness in those kinds of scenarios and I think that might serve him really well in this competition. Uh, you know, that's an interesting take actually. Yeah, no, I I don't hate that take, except I don't know, it's a luxury cruise liner. I'm sure he has everything at his fingertips except just the audience is like old and lame i i i saw yeah, cruises and i was like thing, bro, number 14 yeah maybe he has all the resources at his fingertips but i also think he's got to have contingency plans like what if what if it's a march 2020 you know and there's that first first little cough little cough on the boat <laughs> and all of a sudden covid round two what do you think he was cooking in this scenario <laughs> I mean, he would be. He would be. Um, it's, it's actually a compelling argument. Well, it's interesting to see. It will be interesting to see. And look, Top Chef Germany was not that long ago. I think that was like a 2019 season. So he's a finalist of a relatively recent. No, yeah, like, finalist. Yeah. Finalist. He's hungry. He's yeah. hungry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's a good sign. That's a good sign. Pick, pick number five. Who you got? Okay. This now, Yeah. Now, now we're in more unfamiliar territory. And, and we're going a little blind. I am... This is someone who I don't necessarily think will win the season, but I think will go far, and it's Nicole Gomes. Mm. She was the winner of Top Chef All-Stars Canada. And I think her... And she's also beaten Bobby Flay. <laughs> she is familiar with TV. <laughs> she's won multiple competitions. I think, she, I, think her, I think her winner of a Top Chef All-Star season is a great sign for her chops in the competition. And again, to our earlier point, I don't know if and how... You know, subconsciously prior winners being less hungry or held to a higher standard might influence the judging here. But it gives me confidence that she'll be in the game for a while. She seems like a steady pick to me. That's why I'm going for her. She's out of Vancouver, Canada. Vancouver, Canada, and and she owns like a chicken store, right? That's right. I don't hate that. I don't no. hate that. You know, I kind of like that. I feel like it's always a, a promising sign when high caliber chefs kind of like do something a little more simple. Mm-hmm. Um and so I'm in, and it's a great name too. It's called Cluck and Cleaver. Yep. So yep. I yep. like that. I, I do struggle um, with the notion that anybody who puts that they beat Bobby Flay in their bio <laughs> um, is worth selecting. I just think that that's something you don't talk about. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, you sweep that one under the rug. It's, it's, uh, that's the lowest brow of Food Network. You're you're not you're not entirely wrong. I don't blame you for saying it, but I'm just going to focus in on the uh, All Stars Top Chef All Stars win for Canada, which is by the way a pretty a pretty solid and well developed Top Chef country. They have like five seasons deep, at least five or six seasons. So I I, I, I trust that pedigree. 
Yeah, that's fair. I just, I just don't. Um, I also think Canadians in general uh, may be too polite to win this. <laughs> and uh, and I also her bio says she likes jazz, which I think is a worrying music to like as a chef. I prefer my <laughs> my chefs to be a little bit more structured and uh, and on top of the, and jazz is just too improvisational. You know, I, I want wow. that. You you literally cooking literally cooking and creativity uh, uh, in in the kitchen has literally been likened to jazz versus like baking as I don't know classical music that you follow the strictures of rules. Jazz is a great mindset to be in in the kitchen in a competition where you're forced to be creative and think on your feet. I love it. Yeah yeah look and that's just our difference in styles. I went with the German. <laughs> I want that German precision, German engineering. You want yeah, yeah. you want the jazz. Okay. Yeah yeah. Well, my number six pick, I'm going to go with Sam Albert. Ooh, interesting. Who presumably is actually Sam Albert because he's <laughs> French. Um, so he's French. He was a winner of Top Chef France season 10, um, which I also assume is relatively recent. Um, I like he, – he, he's from Angers, which is a, <laughs> a delightful little town. Um, and I kind of liked that, that he wasn't from the big city. Um, I think that always sort of gives you a little edge, you know, to have that sort of like provincial angle. Um, the reason I picked him, you know, I really liked that he uh, it, it, it stresses his meticulous plating, which I think is is good yeah. in a competition like this when when it's really about like marginal differences. You know, you're really like everybody's making pretty good food, but what makes a plate stand out? And maybe uh, immaculate, meticulous plating. Um, I also really liked that he uh, he, he uh, fuses French and Japanese cuisines. I think that's going to give him a nice range of like flavors. Um, and then he's got he's got uh, he's worked in Switzerland, so you know I have to give him a little nod. <laughs> no, I, there's something there's something intimidating about the world class chef who sticks to the small town, Massimo Butura, for a long time, yes. right? Doing his thing there, and that's like when the chef is also like doesn't need the ego boost, doesn't need the validation. They're like, I know I'm about my business. I can do it at the best. I'm going to do it exactly where I want to be, Anger. And he can, that, that is a good vibe. I like that vibe. And I do, I would assume as well that Chef France season 10 was relatively recent, probably in the last four or five years at the latest. And so he's fresh, kind of like a Buddha, fresh off probably a recent win. Um, and yeah, I, I, I like the vibe in general. I think he's a good pick. I think he's a solid pick. Thank you, thank you. I'll I'll be laughing when he goes out the first week. <laughs> uh, no, that'll be one of those. I actually know exactly who I would bet on to go out in the first round. By the way, we well, can talk about presumably that it's your number sixteen. But okay. <laughs> uh, who you got number seven? So it's interesting now that we are like it's interesting in, now that we're in like unfamiliar territory. How we've rated chefs based on bios, and I actually had even though you, like now that you've picked him, Sam Albert or whatever, uh, had, seems like a pretty strong pick. I actually had him ten just based on bios alone. Um, in, I'm actually going to go for someone who is number four on my overall board, um, and I have someone else above them, but Luciana Berry. Uh, oh. Winner of Top Chef Season 2, uh, Top Chef Brazil Season 2, and interestingly, London resident. She is kind of the hometown chef of the season. This is a point that had to begin to Tom and Kevin on Pack Your Knives that they pointed out, and of course you see on her bio, but it's kind of like a like a... She fits in as the person who knows the local lay of the land. And those people, the hometown chefs, tend to stick around. I know it's like a kind of a, you know, uh, fitting it in and uh, like forcing it in in some ways. But she is, her restaurant's in London. She knows it. She won Top Chef Brazil recent season. I think that was 2020. And 
Uh, I think her flavor, Brazilian flavor, and London Familiarity combo will go hopefully pretty far here. I had her at number 15 on my... uh... (laughs) Here's why. Oh, private catering, sure. Caterer! She said caterer! I'm not going to lie, I missed that on the bio. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sticking with it. This is like picking just like a very average 3 and D wing. It very no, high. Those are those are good picks. No, those are good picks. We're we're middle rounds right now, sort of. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm I don't feel I don't feel terrible about it. Again, I think I'm hoping the hometown hero aspect will cancel out the private catering aspect. No, no, and dude, she's, she's not by this. the way, don't forget, don't forget. We said private caterers and private chefs lose Top Chef. She won. She won yes, Top Chef yes, Brazil, but she won Top Chef Brazil. Bro, have you had Brazilian food? It's meat. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it's literally just, it's grilled meat, dude. It's I mean, like I love grilled meat. Who doesn't love grilled meat? <laughs> it sounds like all a stud. I'm saying, all I'm saying is I, I I'm not sure how hard it is to win Top Chef Brazil. More power to her. <laughs> but I also think I also think that I I wasn't convinced uh, by her pedigree. I also think I, I I think the hometown shout is interesting. However, if you're thinking about it from a narrative perspective. What you really want is like that Cockney British guy who's like, you know, that's the hometown hero. No one's going to be like <laughs> this Luciana Barry with her Brazilian ass accent and be like, yeah, that's that tugs at the heartstrings because she's like paying too much for rent in Notting Hill, you know? Like, it's, it's all strange. They have no, like, you know, do they have any chefs of British heritage? Not on this. Not on this so. one, I don't think. I don't think so. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, it may be a testament to the state of British food. Who knows? <laughs> um, okay, well, with my number eight pick, then, you've uh, left me some pretty good ones on the board with that one. Um, look, I know I said I didn't believe in uh, in Canadians. Fuck. I'm going Dale McKay. Damn it. He was the one who was above Luciana on my list. Damn it. And he was going to be my next pick. So Dale Shoot. McKay... He is – he was the winner of uh, Top Chef Canada 1. Is that right? Yep, that's right. And the reason I like this is because he's a winner, but he hasn't won in a while, you know? Mm-hmm. He's, like, he's like got Leonardo DiCaprio and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood energy where it's like you were once someone, but now you've got something to prove. You know, people are doubting you. You've been out of the spotlight for a little bit and – He's from Canada, okay, granted, but he's also a, a single dad. And talk about storylines, you know? I mean, single dad doing it for his son, Aiden. Aiden is a great child of a single dad name, you know? So I feel like all of this may, is going to make <laughs> a great narrative, and I, I can just see it f- unfolding beautifully, you know? I also think there was a striking lack of tattooed chefs um, in this in – this, uh, roster and he's got tons of tattoos so i like that it's a i look this could be the steal of the draft this could be the this could be the mistake the the huge mistake the bowie over jordan luciana over dale please please luciana come through for me this is a <laughs> this is a week one bro we oh my god i'm scared uh, this is this is a solid solid pick okay wow my top six are all off the board yeah well uh i uh Okay, so now we're, we're now we're in dangerous territory. Is that right? This is yeah, true unknowns. I would say true unknowns, except with one with one notable exception. 
Okay, so what? What I, are you? Gonna... I'm gonna shock you, bro. Wait, no. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna Ali Al Ghazawi, the Jordanian chef, representative of all that I hate most in food in terms of Middle <laughs> Eastern cuisine. But I, he's young. He's interesting. He's been all over the world. Uh, I think he's a really, really. He he actually discovered his passion for food. He used to make 150 sandwiches a day and sell them on campus when he was growing up, including the faculty members. I love sandwiches. You are in the midst of a sandwich countdown. I think he's a very appropriate pick. And even though he's coming from a, a winner of Top Chef Middle East and North Africa, and again, North African food love, Middle East, squinting at, I'm going to trust him on this. He's a young up-and-comer. I think he'll still be hungry even though he won a recent season. And I'm excited for this pick. I think he's a little bit of a wild card, but I think he's the kind of face of a chop, Top Chef 20 world all-star season win that they would like to see. I feel like I initially had this guy high, but I slowly started to move him down for a couple of reasons. One, too many hotels on his bio. Like, What's wrong with hotels? Nothing wrong I don't, with hotels. I, I feel like hotel food is like kind of subpar. Like it's no. it, some of it is is good, but it's always kind of like a slightly worse version of something you'd get at a restaurant. I mean, and, how often are you staying at the Ritz Carlton, bro? I'll ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, never in my life. But it doesn't mean I haven't eaten at some nice hotels. And I, I I don't know. I just I just think like I I picture hotels as like you know the big industrial kitchens where. It just doesn't have the same appeal or romance of like the smaller, you know, restaurants, even the ones that are like helmed by world class chefs like the French Laundry. It's just it's just too big slash also too impersonal. And and for that, I just it turned me off. Secondly, his bio talked about all this like humanitarian shit he does. And (laughs) I thought this guy's attention is a little divided. You know, I felt like I felt like he's passionate about sustainability, empowering younger generations, blah blah blah. Okay, what about the food, bro? You know, that's all I'm saying. Uh, you'll see. My my team's got my team's got heart. My team is uh, conscientious, and therefore will bring the the good vibes required to win a proper Top Chef season. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I think we're ready for the next pick. Let's go. All right. <laughs> with pick number nine, with number 10, we're in the 10s now. Okay, I'm going with the contestant with the best name in the game. May, oh, yeah. May Fatanan Thong Thong. <laughs> this is, this is, we, should, we should not laugh. May was pretty low. May was, May was pretty low on my list. I'm not going to lie. I mean... I have some excellent reasons to pick Nathan and that phone So first of all, she taught herself to cook from cookbooks. She couldn't she couldn't afford to go to culinary school. So first of all, she's a chef from Thailand. Again, couldn't afford to go to culinary school. Taught herself to cook from cookbooks. That shows mighty resilience. Um, secondly, northern Thai flavors are banging. They are so hot right now. I just have a feeling she could be one of those like chefs that really leans into their culture, like Chef Eric. Um, if you remember, I forget which season he was on, but he really leaned into West African flavors. And there was something so personal and powerful about that. And I feel like I could see Chef May going there as well. Also, again, 
She's a finalist, not a winner, so the hunger is there. So I feel great about this pick. I think it's a solid pick. I think, I, and honestly, she should have been higher on my list. I think the reason she wasn't was colored by my, um, my, 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 my perspectives towards Northern Thai cuisine. You remember we went to Lotus of Siam in Vegas that one time. I believe that was Northern Thai, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of Thai in general, but there's certainly some Northern Thai dishes. Yeah, they have the other specialty. Not my favorite. Not my favorite. And that's a, that was a blind spot potentially, but. You know, this decent pick, good, good contestant. I like her background, and uh, we'll see if she can. We'll see if she can hang in London. I'm pretty sure she will. But who do you <laughs> think? Uh, who do you think will hang at number eleven? I'm, here's I don't I, I don't know why we've been avoiding him, but I mean I think we both have for good reason. Amar Santana, I'll pick here. I think this is a, a solid place for him to slot in. I don't know why he he competes well. Final finalist for Top Chef California season thirteen. He has like it's almost like his vibe is too friendly and goofy when he's as as a guest judge, and I think he's become really buddy. He's really been in the Top Chef sphere for a while, for a couple seasons now, and I do wonder if they'll hold that against him. So it's a little bit of a risk in that way. But at number at this point in the draft, I'm pretty comfortable with taking him, and you know, just seeing how it plays out. Okay, I I I agree with you. I I wasn't sure why he dropped so far down because again we said known quantities there's a power mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. to me he is his energy is too chaotic <laughs> yeah no you I, I see what you mean yeah like there's a there's a frenetic energy that he brings to his competition it i just it, it's like watching uncut gems you know there's yeah, like yeah something very unnerving about seeing him at work he has strong flavors you know he's got that like you know dominican thing um going on so he certainly has some very interesting flavors that he brings to the table um but i just didn't feel i didn't feel safe in his hands yeah 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 and i do wonder if his like increased profile as a judge on the show will Ha- like will be in his head, right? Like I don't want him to be like, you know, thinking not just about the competition, but also the fact that he wants to maintain enough credibility to come back as a judge, so on and so forth. I feel like there's a little bit of like, there's, it's not just chaos in the kitchen and chaos in terms of vibe, but chaos in terms of you know future career prospects here. Yeah, which is why I think I, I let him. But I, you know, look at this point in the draft, there are some private chefs left on the list that I'm not looking forward to. There are one or two other <laughs> more interesting. More interesting contestants, I will say that I went Amar uh, went over, well, I chose Amar over, but you know, I think it's a safe spot to take him at this. Point. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's a spot where you're going to get laughed out of town as a GM. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I can see. I'm, I'm not mad. I lost out on him. I'll put it that way. Sure, 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 um, sure. Which brings me to my next pick, number what is it, twelve? I'm going with Victoire Gulubi. Interesting. Private chef. A little earlier than you had to. Yes. Private chef, a little earlier than I had to. But I feel like Chef Gulubi has some very interesting characteristics. So first and foremost, I believe she's from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, but her home base, Italy, baby. She's got... She's got a really interesting fusion of cultures there. She's worked in some of the top Italian restaurants in Milan, um, but she brings also her her African flavors, and she apparently is very is very like 
uh, like that, like that's her thing. In, in Italy, she does uh, she does some television shows all about like African recipes, African cuisine, and whatnot. Um, so I feel like we're going to see some really interesting combinations of Italian food and African cuisine. So I I, I really like that perspective. I also like the fact that, uh, as I said, she's got that Italian connection and. Of course, she's a finalist, not a winner. So the hunger factor is there. So I felt fine about picking picking uh, uh, Chef Galubi. Yeah, I don't blame you. And I'm actually going to go Private Chef as well for my next okay. pick. Here you go. I'm going to go uh, Gabriel Rodriguez. Gabriel Rodriguez. Um, Private Chef, winner, Top Chef, Mexico Season 2. That's 2017, a few years ago now. Look, this one's more of a you know pick from the heart. Um, he started as a dishwasher at Puyol before like traveling the country and eventually working his way up to sous chef at Maximo Bistro in CDMX. Uh, just a, play, a familiar uh, background, a background in, in restaurants that we love, that we enjoy, a cuisine that I love. Um, I can see, I'm like, I'm a little nervous, yes, of him like, you know, being able to fully flex the Mexican ingredients and flavors out in London, private chef at this point. We know how we feel about that. He does live in Madrid, Spain now, um, so it's a, only a hop, skip, and a jump. But uh, this is more of a this is more of a likability thing. I like I like his smile. Looks like a friendly guy. He's got a good vibe. Yeah, um, that's he's a good looking lad. Good looking yeah, yeah. lad. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For I, sure. I he was high on my board at first, and then he kept going down. The more I read his bio, I was disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, as you said, dishwasher Puyol, great. Worked at Maximo Bistro, a restaurant we love in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. He then went to Mazatlan. You know, like. Yep. Uh, uh, to, to really carve his own path and be the guy there, you know? Um, and I loved that. But then he threw it all away to become a private chef in Spain. It's like when it's like when they take money to go like like when soccer players take money to go play in like Qatar or something, you know? It's like it's like it's it shows a lack of hunger, you know, it's a lack of fire. <laughs> and, and to me you need fire to win in this competition. So I don't have high high hopes for Gabby Rodriguez. I, I still do, but there is there is a level of concern. Look, maybe he like look, COVID hits, things go crazy. Maybe he just wanted to change the scenery and private chef makes good buck. Okay. That could be it. I'll I'll, I'll give him space and I'm I'm excited. He could be a sleeper. Yeah. Look, I'm a huge fan of Mexican cuisine. I love Mexican chefs, so I'll, I'll be rooting for him a little bit, but now that he's on your team, I, I definitely won't. Um, <laughs> this brings me to my fourteenth pick. Um, we're going with Begonia Rodrigo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Begonia Rodrigo, she is a Spanish chef, I believe. Her restaurant is in Valencia. I I was nervous about her. I, at first, I thought she was going to be a natural pick for earlier on. But her bio is all about how much she's traveled and stuff. And that made me a little nervous. She gave me, she gave me like strong like wanderlust study abroad energy. Um, and – there's something about that that I don't love for a competitor because it shows like a lack of commitment, you know, shows like, (laughs) like tenacity, you know, she's just like out there parading around the world. The one thing I liked about her is that she now has a restaurant um, in Valencia that has a Michelin star. So she's gotten her own Michelin star. You got a lot of restaurants on this list that are, have worked at Michelin star restaurants, but this is hers, you know? She earned this herself. So to me, that was her saving grace. 
No, it, it's an interesting. It's I had her much higher up on, on the board, and she kept dropping. And look, the Wanderlust critique is nonsense. That was when she was twenty years old. Seems like an adventurous, cool, cool gal or whatever. No, no pe- people don't change, man. <laughs> what I will say, the reason why she dropped in my head was there's something about her. I mean, look, she was winner of Top Chef Spain season one. That's that's meaningful, and we need to remember that these guys are all winners and finalists. Even the private chefs and caterers, etc., have gone far in a Top Chef style competition. That is to be considered. She, for some reason, given she has her own Michelin star, given she has her own place that she's own, I was like, she could be, to your point about hunger, the most general. Like, she doesn't have too much more to prove on Top Chef, right? We got finalists in here. We got people who have like, like Gabrielle, who've like made it to the sous chef level, and then like an executive chef in in, in, in like Mazatlan, but really I think have something more to prove. I don't know how much Begonia does as a prior Top Chef winner and as a Michelin star holder. She got a pride to not like lose early, but I think it's a different level of hunger that some other applicants or some other contestants might bring to the fold, which may be right, may be wrong. This is something we're not familiar with, but she was high on my board on the bio and then just kept dropping when I started thinking about motivation and, uh, you know, being up for it, so to speak. No, look, I'm not... She's she's my fourteenth pick. I'm not like stoked about oh, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so I I tend to agree with you. However, you know, of all the picks I could have made down here, I'm not mad because I think we both agree she could have been higher up the board. She could have been higher. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For all sure. right, who you got? Penultimate pick. <sighs> I can't believe this has happened to me somehow. But I'm no. gonna end up with both the top chef Middle East <laughs> North Africa dudes from Lebanon and Jordan, my least favorite slice of cuisine in the world. I'm going with Charbel Hayek. Charbel Hayek. Um, look, he is Lebanese. He competed on Top Chef Middle East North Africa, but he actually like cut his teeth in LA working at Melise, which is a two star, two Michelin star restaurant, a good place to come up in. Uh, moved back to Beirut where he won the Top Chef season five, which is like deep in there. That means they had like a, some, I think a real talent pool and a real established level of competition. And Carlson's Cuisine New American, which I'm not too mad about, uh, actually lives in Lake Worth, Florida, weirdly. But, uh, you know, wait, is that right? Yeah, I think it yeah, is. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, he's he was low on the list because of his, you know, background. He's a private chef as well. He has some interesting, you know, pieces on his bio, Melissa in particular, but not my most, um, not the most excited pick I've, I've been. Obviously, he's my last one. We'll take him. We'll see how that goes. Also, I will say from the picture and the fact that he's a quote-unquote fitness enthusiast, bad vibe. Bad vibe. Don't love him. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I, I didn't love him for a few reasons. Uh, one, I actually liked the fact that he was Lebanese, but then he like just did a 180 and said that his cuisine is new American. I'm like, yeah. oh, you were given a gift. <laughs> and you, you trade that up for new American. Then also, this is a man who chose to live in Florida, and he's under sixty years old. That's that. That is a red flag. Yes, that's yeah. a red flag. If that I remember, is. this guy's going to be out so fast. It's not even funny, and it's, it's going to so, be something egregious. Oh yeah, it's going to. He also seems like he might have the worst personality on the show, based on nothing. I should say, for Charvel. <laughs> but it's so funny that you saw like. Damn, he's Lebanese. What a gift! And yet he threw it away for New American. Where I thought I was like, oh, he's Lebanese. Well, at least he rebranded to New American. I respect that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's probably why I'm. I now am stuck with uh, the the pick. I'm stuck with. Yeah, she's she'll be out quick, bro. So, with the final, what do they call the final football pick, Mister um, Mister Mister Irrelevant? Mister uh, Sylvia is Sylvia. Yeah. So we've got Miss Miss Irrelevant here. 
Sylvia Stachira, who is, I believe, the winner of Top Chef Poland. And oh my God, where do I begin? So um, first of all, winner, so not going to be hungry. Secondly, though, she won Top Chef Poland in Polish food. I mean, that's worse than Brazilian food. So, you know, not stoked about that. Arguably worse than English food, man. That's yeah, I mean, Poland this is as like, well. Yeah, she made the best, like, you know, pierogi. Pierogi. <laughs> Jesus. She made the best cheese pierogi. <laughs> this one tasted slightly less like vomit. Um, anyways, also, she doesn't spell her name correctly. That's not how you spell Sylvia. Secondly, it's also... She has the worst profession of all. Yeah. She's she's a teacher. She has a cooking school. You know that and, saying? Doesn't and you- and she's a self-proclaimed consultant, brute, dude. Oh, cooking school yeah. and consultancy. No way. Horrific. You know, those who can't do teach and those who can't teach consult. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Hilarious given both our lines of work. But <laughs> – <laughs> it is uh it is yeah not a great pick look i wouldn't have picked her but um i literally think sometimes dude, the people we think that go home first sometimes surprise us look she might make it to week three but l- l- this line from her bio she designs taste she Works as an independent consultant, lectures at the University of Lublin in Poland. <laughs> it's like, it's like <laughs> Lublin. <laughs> <laughs> Designs tasting menus and occasionally works as a private chef. Dude, she hasn't cooked in a minute. She's gonna get smoked. Yeah, no, no. She was she was at the bottom with a bullet. This is bad. This is really bad. Um, she's got a family and a three-year-old daughter, so she's not even a single mom. So we can't even go off of that. What? Jesus Christ! No, dude, it's not, it's not like I don't. I'm not wishing that upon her. I'm just saying, like, from a narrative perspective, it's not strong. It's just not strong. So, yeah. All right, all right. Real, real quick. So we've had, we have our picks. You should recap the teams, but then I'm going to quickly go over the scoring system and what we'll be looking for week to week. Okay, going to do a quick recap of the teams. Uh, Team Saul is Budalo, Don Burrell, mm. Nicole Gomes, mm-hmm. Luciana Berry, LOL, Ali Al Ghazawi, Amar Santana, Gabrielle Rodriguez, and Charbel Hayek. Yeah, I'm 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 happy. I think we might be a top heavy team, I'll say. Yeah, definitely. If I if I, if I had switched Luciana for Dale, I'd feel a little bit better here. Um but overall I think we got some mix of like Strong stalwarts, well-known quantities in Buddha, Don, and Amar. Um, some interesting, experienced players in Nicole and Luciana, <laughs> the hometown hero, and then some young potential talent. Gabrielle, I like the Gabrielle and Ali uh, one-two punch. Two young dudes who have like been at the top of the Top Chef mountain uh, or near it, and have some interesting cuisine backgrounds. I feel like there's a good balance here. Yeah, I'm like it. I think the underbelly of your team is soft as hell, bro. Uh, <laughs> but I agree. You're top heavy. And honestly, as we've seen, one or two players can really make a difference. And you've got yep. some threats. You've got yep. some threats. Yep. All right. Team Luca, it's Sarah Bradley, Tom Gutter, Sam Albert, Dale McKay, May Fatanan Thongthong, Victoire Louis. <laughs> oh, I'm saying that perfectly. No, you said perfectly. Yeah, no. I was uh, laughing at that. I was laughing at something else. <laughs> Victor Gulubi, Begonia, Begonia Rodrigo, and Sylvia Stachira. Dude, I actually 
Your team's just not that intimidating, man. No, I'm not going to uh, lie. I'm shitting it, mate. <laughs> as I read that, as I read that, I was like, yeah. I've made some horrible <laughs> Tom, Tom Guther as your number two pick. Yeah, no, I was reading your team. I was like, yo, this is a uh, – dude, you're like – you're like the Oklahoma City Thunder, but with no potential talent. You're like the Houston Rockets, and you're like, I guess this is happening. Whereas I, I like, I feel like I've got like some. I got the Warriors, man. I got some Steph, Clay, Buddha, Don talent here. Oh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling yeah, good. I think actually, you fucked this up. <laughs> reading it back, having you have both Buddha and Don is, is a scary proposition. Oh yeah. Um, however, it's the thing is, there's just so many unknowns. I could like, like you know. Dale McKay could be incredible. You yeah, know? no, he actually could, though. He actually could. I, I'm worried about him. So the way the scoring will work is each week, of course, as we know with Top Chef, there's typically a quick fire and elimination. Quick fire challenge, the winner gets three points, the winning contestant. And if you're in the top three of favorite dishes, you get one. So typically two other contestants get one point, the winner gets three. The elimination challenge, the winner will get ten points. Top three placement gets five. Or if a team wins, all the team members get five. If you're in the middle, not top, not bottom, you get two points. Bottom three gets zero. Elimination is negative five. Now, we do have last chance kitchen points as well, which I assume is happening this season too. Um, if you move on to last chance kitchen, you get one point. If you're eliminated, you get minus one. And look, last season, you actually had a contestant who was on last chance yeah. kitchen for five, six weeks, came back and earned you some additional points. Yeah. As a whole, the, the thing that determines it, and I should say, the overall winner, twenty five points. It's a big, it's a big bump big from winning the overall yeah. overall competition. I will say the um, the key here is having players in the game. You want yeah. people, want people in it, and this is gonna be fun, man. Last year we were playing with with our partners, girlfriends, and we therefore each only had like three or four players each, and there was you know people would drop fast. Eight contestants each, I think, will make this a cool, sustainable game. I think we'll be no, we've got rosters. Yeah, 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 we got rosters, man. Okay, so what we'll do is, you know, we'll periodically update folks uh, on this pod when we're doing other segments, and then probably we'll do like a a midpoint check in, and then a post finale a recap or something. Oh yeah, I think we need a pre and post finale. We need to like when we have we have the folks going into the finale. I think that's a good t- time to check in, and then bragging rights after the finale. Is there done. we go. That, yeah, that's good. And also, what are we betting? Oh, great question. Really a question for you. I will say that <laughs> some kind of dinner off of Chino Brera style to bring it full circle in LA seems appropriate. I think I think we have to bet off of Chino Brera. I think that's it. Uh, does it have to be that though? It's not my favorite place. <laughs> no, wait, what right. was what was the multi Michelin star restaurant that was number one on Jonathan Gold's last top one hundred list? I can't Vesper remember team. I'm Yo. pretty sure that place is done. I might, I'm, I might Damn be wrong, it. but I'm pretty sure it's done. <laughs> Happy to contribute to the LA Food Pod with my deep knowledge of a uh, silly nothing. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey! No, it's open. Look at you. Look at me. Ha, is it really? Okay, fine. It's still no. open. All right. Winner the, the, winner, the winner of our Top Chef Fantasy, uh, we, we gets Vespertine finally. Oof. Pricey, pricey. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. All right, man. Okay, dude, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I would say good luck, but I don't mean it. Yeah, and I don't need it, given my team relative to yours. I'm feeling great. I'm looking forward to my free dinner yet again. And uh, I'll see you soon, bud. All right. Well, Top Chef airs tomorrow night. Uh, That's uh, uh, Thursday, uh, March 9th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and Pacific. Um, So be sure to tune into Bravo. And we're not being sponsored by them, so this is just really sad. But... uh, (laughs) We're, doing, we're, we're plugging it anyways.
There you go. All right. Take care. Take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of the LA Food Podcast. Top Chef airs tonight. It's on Bravo at 8 p.m. If you like what you heard today on the podcast, go give us a like and a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to find me, you can go to Instagram and TikTok and search at the LA Countdown. That's T-H-E-L-A-C-O-U-N-T-D-O-W-N.